Hey everybody, welcome to another JPD Weekly that is Josh Peck Disclosure, or not Disclosure, excuse me, Josh Peck Defense Weekly, Peck Defense. Uh, we're going to be, today we're going to be talking about certain sins that um, if they're lived out, if they're lived by, those who commit them don't inherit the kingdom of God, which is... Um, it should be a sobering thought for us. It should be uh, kind of a wake-up call, especially living in our days today, because I I see these things, and I can look back in my past, and you know I can remember times where I lived for some of these things. Um, and I think a lot of Christians are there now, and maybe don't realize it because you know I want to be careful how I describe this because I'm not saying if you commit one of these sins automatically your salvation's gone and you're not saved and and God doesn't want anything to do with you at the same time I'm not saying that if you continue in all of these sins and you're living for these sins then you're still going to be saved and you're going to get to go to heaven um I'm not I'm not taking the the stance of either of those two extremes what I am saying is we should look at what scripture says about these things examine ourselves and see if there's area areas that need to be improved because while it might be difficult to know for sure i would not want to chance um i I would not want to take a chance you know with god or i wouldn't want to tempt god or i I wouldn't want to say well you know I said a prayer 20 years ago, and so I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. I'll be fine. I can continue in these sins, even though Scripture says those who practice these sins do not uh, inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to look at these and apply it to our own lives, and we need to realize how seriously God takes this, and we should take it just as seriously. We need to realize that we are fallible humans. We are going to sin. Uh, you know, on, on this side of eternity, we're not going to be free from sin. We will in the next life, but not here. So what's the difference between living for the flesh, living in sin and, you know, sinning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, just being a fallible human being, being a fallible Christian, even, uh, who is living for Christ yet sin sometimes. And I, that's, that's what I wanted to look at today. So the verse that we're going to start off with here, uh, we're going to, we're going to start with, um, first Corinthians six, and we're going to go through, uh, nine through 11, but I want to, I want to start with some context up here. Um, the, the context of this verse, Paul's talking about lawsuits against believers. Uh, this is, Christians taking out lawsuits against other Christians. So that's the context, but there's, you know, that that's the direct problem that he's answering. But there's a larger issue here that I think applies to each and every one of us, whether or not we're involved in lawsuits. Um, because whether we get the law involved, you know, there there are some times that we do indulge in these sins even against one another. So we're going to look at the context first. First uh, Corinthians, starting in verse 1 of chapter 6, um, I'm reading for the, from the ESV. By the way, this is uh, Logos. I'm not very familiar with Logos, so uh, I've used it a little bit, but 
I'm, I'm paying for it, so I may as well use it more and use it for these studies. Um, it has a lot of great commentaries, and I know there's a lot that can be done with it. I'm just not very familiar with it. I'm used to, you know, the old school thing of going to Blue Letter Bible or Bible Gateway or something, looking up a verse and then going out on my own and searching through like commentaries or going on other places online and having, you know, 20 different uh, web browser windows open in, in, in my study. That's what I'm used to. I'm told that I can do all that in this one program. So uh, I'm still learning, but Let's let's see what we can let's see what we can find. I did find a, a couple of good commentaries here, one that I want to look at for this. But let's start in verse one of chapter six, First Corinthians, to get the context. Uh, so when one uh, Paul says, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law uh, before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world, and if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame, can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brother." Now, I'm going to just pause there for a moment and uh, talk a little bit about that. So, you know, obviously this is a problem that still continues today. There are, I, I mean, there, think about just how many lawsuits there are in our country on, on any given day, any given hour. You know, how many of those are Christians against Christians? How many times is it that uh, when there is a legal dispute, how, how many times do, is it ever just handled in the church? If there's any kind of dispute, usually it's handled in the, in the court. And it's usually by, you know, we, we don't always know the faith of the judge, but the judge isn't judging by the Bible. The judge is judging by American law. And so Paul is saying here that it's better, like if you think you have a case against your brother, you have a legal case against him. And of course, we're not talking about like, murder and stuff here because you know the, the the church that's something different the church isn't you know what what's the what's the punishment for murder you know life in jail or execution the church isn't supposed to be doing stuff like that but but a lot of the lawsuits that could just be handled in the church typically aren't um paul is saying here that it's better for even if you if you have a case against your brother it's better for you to to just take on the, the wrongdoing, just, just suffer the wrong, you know, suffer the, the fraud, you know, if, if like, I don't know, I can't think of a specific situation here, but you, you, you just through common sense, you can tell the difference between, you know, a lawsuit that maybe isn't that big of a deal or, or, or that, that, you know, somebody may have done wrong to you, but the church can handle it rather than the court system. You know, I don't know. Let's say you're, let's say somebody in your congregation stole your purse or stole your wallet. All right. Pretty bad thing. Now you could call the police and get an investigation and you could, you could, uh, even sue that person to get your money back. Um, and you could go through all that or it could be handled within the church. 
Now, does the church have the authority to go get your purse back or, or to, to get you your money back? Maybe, maybe not, you know, but the church can, can ask that person to come in. Maybe that person just leaves or is excommunicated. You know, then, then that person would be a thief and would probably be outside of the, the body of Christ at that point. So in a way, they're, they're like sacrificing their own standing with Jesus for the sake of some money. So who, who's suffering the greater loss there? You know, the one who's the thief or you who may have lost your purse or your wallet? And it, it seemed, I'm just using that as an example that just came to mind. It's probably not a perfect example, but if we think about that, who's suffering the worst loss? Because the, the person who's actually committing that crime, I mean, they're, they're sacrificing their standing with Jesus. You're, you're losing out on, you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks or whatever you had. Um, and, you know, maybe that means that you have to spend some time calling your bank, canceling your credit cards, you know, doing some things. Um, and, and, you know, maybe there's a case that could be made at that point when he does that, he, you can't really consider him a brother anymore. So then it's okay. Well, I don't, I don't know about that because it sounds like here, sounds like Paul is saying, you know, why wouldn't, why not rather just be defrauded, you know, just suffer, just why not rather just suffer the wrong and then not bring this to ungodly people, to wicked people. Now, of course, there's a cultural element to this too, um, you know, the, the government at the time in, in Paul's day would be different than the American government, but still, I mean, all, all governments, they're, they're not theocracies. So they're not like a Christian theocracy. This, we, we as human beings are kind of lousy at judging one another and, and providing perfect justice, right? Um, so there is that problem. Uh, so for me, um, you know, I, I write books and make movies and stuff like that. Uh, this is saying if somebody like, let's say somebody plagiarized me, let's say somebody like printed off my book or my movie and then was selling it around. It seems like according to Paul, it would be better for me to just suffer that wrong than it would be to bring that person to court, even though by American law standards, I would have every right to do that. But of course we know there's a higher law. Uh, there, there's, there's what God wants for us. And it's saying here that it would be better to just suffer the wrong. Now, again, like I said before, I don't think this applies to like really harsh things like murder or rape or, or, or stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't see how it, how it could. Uh, but when it comes to a lot of the lawsuits that go on today, as I imagine this, this was the case back then as well, then we need to remember who who's who's our who's our lawgiver who whose justice are we seeking because god's justice is going to be perfect and it's eternal and he is fully suited to do that man's justice is is temporary and it's flawed um but so there's a lot that could be said there and it would be interesting to go back into like the the court system at the time and to see really like what was going on what what were believers suing each other over um that would be interesting to to see because i i would assume it it's it, i i would assume this is frivolous kind of stuff but 
what if I'm wrong? What what if they were suing each other over like really horrible crimes? You know, that would be interesting to know. So maybe at some point uh, in an, in another JPD Weekly, we'll get into that. But the main thing that I wanted to get into was what Paul says next. And that's why I wanted to lay out that context first. So 9 through 11 is, is really where we're going to we're going to sit because what I want to talk about today kind of goes outside of like lawsuits and courts and stuff. It's more in our personal lives. So Paul continues verse nine, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So that's important. Um, Some of these won't apply to you. Some will. Maybe none do. Maybe all do. But this is a very common list of sins that you find in non-believers for sure, and unfortunately, a lot of times in even believers in the church. Um, some of them are obvious. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk much about the the sexually immoral stuff because that goes a little outside. That that would be a study all its own, and we will do an episode on that sometime. Um, But sexual immorality that's that's like anything that is sexually immoral. I mean, that's looking at pornography. That's that's adultery. That's um, premarital sex. You know, any any kind of anything that goes outside of man and wife. You know, uh, anything that goes outside of that is a problem, and it's in this list. But nor all of these people, nor people who do this, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that if you make one mistake, then that's it, you're toast, you're done? No, it's it's who practice these. Do not be deceived. Uh, men who who practice homosexuality, nor thieves. You know, you, you you know a thief is different than somebody who stole something once when they were a kid. Now, somebody both are wrong. You know, both are wrong. But somebody who stole something when they were a kid, they're not defined by that. No one would look at that person and say, "Yeah, he's a thief. He stole a candy bar when he was five years old." That's not that's not a sin he's living by. He's not living in the flesh in that sin. Now, a thief is somebody who does this all the time, or or who makes a habit of it and never really repents. You know, repenting isn't just saying we're sorry. Repenting is turning away from the sin and not doing it anymore, uh, or at least living for Christ in a way that we're trying not to do that anymore. And and even even trying is subjective because a lot of times people say they're trying to quit something, but really what it is is they're recognizing it's difficult and they keep falling into it. Um, so there's this uh, there's a commentary here that came with logos on first and second Corinthians, and this says here the root problem misunderstanding the gospel. Oh, before we get to that. I want to point out one of these words, well, a couple of them. I, I, I have a story of my own, and then I want to, I got a couple of stories, actually. But I want to point out the word revilers here, because some people might not know what that is. 
So logos is kind of cool. You can hover over a word and then over on the right hand panel, it gives like a whole bunch of information about it. But um, it's a railer, a reviler, an abuser. And if you look down there, it says verbally abusive people. So that can be, you know, in, in speech or in written word. It's, it's people who are abusive with their words. That's a reviler. How many revilers do we see online? And I would, I would go as far as to say it doesn't even matter if the things they, they are saying are factually true. Cause you can, you can, you can say the truth in a very mean spirited way. And then, so the problem isn't the information you're providing. It's the spirit with which you're providing it. And we see that quite a bit online. And I, that's one of the biggest problems I see in the, the, the Christian community today, in the church, in, in the, especially with, with people who are online. You know, usually when I spend time with people, I spend time with people like, way older than me because I just, I get along with them better. You know, uh, people who are 20, 30 years older than me, who, who didn't grow up the way I did, like just surrounded with the internet. And, uh, you know, especially now I I have, I, I found, I found myself having a really difficult time, um, having patience or getting along really well with a whole lot of younger people. Now, sometimes I can, cause there's some really great young people. There's, there's, there's quite a bit of them, but just, just broadly and generally online, there's just a lot of sarcasm, a lot of like haughtiness and pride, you know, a lot of that. And you get that in older people too. You, you get, but, but what I see it a lot online. And I think what people forget is in this list that says revilers will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, that should horrify us. And like I said, a reviler doesn't mean that you're telling lies necessarily. That that could be part of it. But you could be telling the truth in a very just reviling way. You know, so what's the spirit? You know, if, if if I find one of my brothers is sinning and t- tell me which of these you think is reviling and which is just being a loving Christian, you know, being like, what, which is the right Christian response? I find a brother sinning. And so I talk to him about it and I say, you know what? I'm, I'm really genuinely concerned. I even fell into that sin when I was younger and I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's really bad. And I, I love you enough to tell you this is really wrong. You got to knock it off. And let's say that that brother even goes to my church, you know, I say, and I, I tell him you, you th- this could result in you getting like kicked out of the church, because if you keep doing this, you could influence other people and that could be really bad for them. You know, you could tempt them into some sin. So there's that uh, where I'm genuinely concerned for the individual, you know, for my brother, but also for the church environment that I'm in for other brothers and sisters or. There's the other version that typically you get online where I'm just basically yelling and screaming my head off and sh- like showing him how evil he is and how much better I am because I'm I'm up here and I'm I'm the one that can make this judgment because I'm free from these kinds of sins and you know just that that haughty just kind of attitude even if I don't say things like that it's just that attitude it's not it's not loving it's not gentle and gentle doesn't mean like weak you know, you can have a very strong yet gentle conversation with your brother in Christ when they've fallen into error, and we need we need to do that. Um, 
the second person, you know, the the ranting and raving one, is only going to ensure that the other person is going to remain in that sin because they're not they're not going to take that seriously. They're the 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 sinning brother is going to look at that behavior and they're going to think you know this isn't even about me he's not concerned about me he's concerned about himself he's trying to use me to show how good he is um i see that a lot online there have been times uh you know early on like like before before i really started ministry and i I've, I've kind of told the story before i sort of used to be an online troll when i first started getting excited about the internet this was before you know i got into ministry um and it was relatively, you know, it, it was it was a long time ago. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But um, there's there there's like an allure to, to blasting people online. You know, there there's it's almost addictive. It, really, what it is is it's feeding pride. But even if even if I was sure I was right on something, I I would I would I would go out of my way to. Even even if I wasn't cussing or saying bad words, and even if I if what I was saying was true, but I would I would do it in a way where I could always say, "Hey, I'm not lying," you know, I could always say that. But my attitude about it was was sarcastic, prideful, extremely immature. It was really it was it, I was a reviler. I was I was one of those people. Um, and it it, it really took. You know, God getting a hold of me and showing me that 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 is pride, and pride can can send someone straight to hell. It's it's a horrific sin, and it can manifest in all sorts of different ways. Um, so, you know, I I had to stop doing that, and I I had to realize that the people that I was coming against, I'm not any better than them. You know, um. None of us are really any better than anybody else. We're we're all saved by the blood of Christ. Christ is better than all of us, and that needs to be our focus instead of comparing ourselves to one another. Uh, unless unless it's you know through some kind of like inspiration or love or or, or something where uh, like like there are going to be times where I'll share stories about my past in hopes that you can learn from that. Uh, so, for example, the the drunkard thing. Like, I I used to be um, an absolute drunk, and this was actually one of the verses that got a hold of me and and finally made me you know decide to quit. But um, now this is not, in my opinion, this isn't like if you have a sip of wine at communion, then you're damned to hell. But I, I was at a point where I was I was basically like living to drink like on the weekends and stuff, and uh, it was it was something that 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 really had like a hold of me. You know, I was I was living for that. I wasn't living for Christ. You know, even though I was a Christian, I was a practicing Christian. You know, and 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 all of that, but I wasn't really living for Christ. You know, I I. I had this thing that I would do, you know, I would, I would drink, you know, usually on weekends. And, um, that, that was, that was really like, that was my, my, my fleshly kind of living. So some people live for that. Some people live to drink on weekends. 
Um, some people live to revile others, live to get online and, and revile others. Uh, some live to be greedy. They, they live to gain things for themselves. And that, that's not the same as, as providing for your family because you, you have to provide for your family, but that's not being greedy. I think we all know the difference. You know, being greedy is as long as you get what you want, you really don't care. You, you know, like if, if, if you're taking it from someone or if somebody else has to suffer loss because of it. Well, like the, you know, in, in the example, the hypothetical that we looked at earlier, the the person stealing somebody's wallet at church, you know, well, he would be a greedy thief because he's greedy, even if he's using it to take care of his family, you know, whatever he's using it for. Uh, it, do, it doesn't matter. He's He's greedy because he doesn't care if somebody else is suffering loss so long as he uh, gets gain where there are other ways to go about that. You know, if you're, if you're really in need, you can talk to your church and, you know, many churches will help you out. There, there's always ways out of that. You don't have to sin is the point. So I like this, uh, commentary here. It says the root problem here, misunderstanding the gospel at the bottom of the Corinthians legal problems with was a misunderstanding of their identity in Christ and of the behavior to which that identity called them. This misunderstanding led to their mistreatment of others and then to mishandling disputes. So uh, this goes on to say the Corinthians had forgotten a basic Christian doctrine. There is a big difference between believers and unbelievers. Wicked people are not destined to inherit the kingdom of God. That, that's how serious this sin is, because if you're living for the flesh, you're not living for Christ. And if you're not living for Christ, then you don't have inheritance to the, to the kingdom of God. You, you know, um, and. Like I said, I, I know that there are there are clearly verses that say, you know, if somebody believes, then then they're saved. But where's that line? And do we really want to take a chance? You know, do, do we love our sins so much that we're willing to take a chance that we're maybe interpreting that wrong? Uh, or do we want to take a chance? And then when we leave this earth, come to find out, God says, I never knew you. You know, you knew drunkenness. You knew reviling. You didn't know me. I never knew you. Uh, that would be horrifying. That that would be that would be awful. I would not want to take that chance. And like I said, I don't know exactly where that line is. I just know that there are verses that say if you believe, then you're saved. And there's also verses that say that if you if you live out these sins and like habitually practice these sins, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You know, and like I said before, I don't believe that this is somebody who slips up once in a while because that's all of us. Uh, we all do that, but when it's when it's something you're living out, you know, and and God will convict you on that because God doesn't want to see anybody go to hell unless your conscience is so seared that this message just isn't going to get through to you anyway, and you're 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 probably you know if if your conscience is that seared, you're probably thinking of all sorts of negative things to say about me already, um, or about this message or about this verse or you know about how stupid I am or you know whatever. If your conscience is is seared like that, then that's that's probably where you're at. Um, but if you are guilty of these sins, and if it is something that is serious enough for God to want you to change, you'll, you'll have conviction over this stuff. Like you'll get conviction again, unless you're just so far gone that you're just blind to it because there are a lot of like, for example, the, the, the sin of homosexuality, there are a lot of, so, you know, there are a lot of homosexuals that call themselves Christian, but they're living a homosexual lifestyle. And, you know, according to this verse, those two things do not go together. So 
you, you can't you can't be both. It's one or the other. And if they're actively practicing homosexuality, then they won't inherit the kingdom of God. That's what this verse says. You know, I didn't make up the rules. God did. So we have to take him at his word and take this seriously. But as much as he said that about homosexuals, he also said that about thieves, about greedy people, about drunks, about revilers. Um, and and that, that, that should tell us, uh, and about swindlers, that should tell us how seriously he takes the things that you say online, you know? I mean, it's a really big deal. You you could be, there are circumstances that exist where you could be sacrificing your salvation for it to blast somebody online. It's a big deal. Um, and in case anybody was wondering, here's what it says about uh, swindlers. It says, uh, snatching, robbing, greedy, swindler, extortioner, um, swindlers, extortioners, robbers, uh, so that, that kind of thing probably goes pretty close with thieves. Um, so it is, so it's, it is possible to think that you're a Christian, but you're, you're really living a, a sinful lifestyle and that is evidence that maybe you're not as saved as you think you are and that's something that that we should all be like really cautious and careful about and and handle seriously i i don't i am I'm, I'm you know i sin just like everybody else does but i don't want to live in that sin i don't want to make excuses for it and that you know i, I will say this about sexually immoral you know um something like 68% of Christian men, uh, and it's a pretty high percentage of women too, um, are addicted to pornography, that absolutely falls in line with sexual immorality. Absolutely, even if you're not married. Um, that that definitely does. And, you know, if it's a porn addiction, then it's a lifestyle. You're, you're living it out. You're doing it habitually. It, it's not that, you know... You did it once when you didn't know really, and and then you didn't do it anymore, or it's not like you had a problem with when with it when you were a teenager, but now that you're an adult, you don't you don't indulge in that anymore. Um, you know that's that's different, but when when it's when it's something you're still doing, you know, especially if you're calling yourself a Christian and you're still doing that, and I'm not even talking about temp just being tempted. You know, we're all going to be tempted on various things, but Jesus also gives us the power to overcome that temptation through him. And with pornography, you know, a lot of people have come to me in private and asked how to quit. And, you know, usually I'll say something like, well, look up, um, look up the connection, look up articles about the connection between pornography and uh, child rape, child sex trafficking. There's a direct a direct connection. So if you're indulging in pornography, you are absolutely contributing to the rape of children. Um, and there, there's clear studies that spell that out. So I tell people to look at that, and then you'll start seeing pornography for what it is, and you'll start to hate it. Um, but even more than that, you know, a lot of people struggle with it. And I heard a, a really good point made by Mike Winger on one of his more recent videos. If you're not familiar with Pastor Mike Winger, you should go check him out on YouTube. He's got a lot of great material, and uh, I consider him a friend. I've talked to him a few times online, and I think he's a very genuine, you know, 
loving, just good kind of Christian, and I, I really like him a lot, but he's he's also really smart. But he, he made a point about that. He said, you know, a lot of people that um, struggle with pornography and they say that they keep they keep going to God and they keep feeling like God's not helping them, a lot of times they're going to God like after the fire of that passion is so big that back before it started, you know, God was helping them then, but they ignored it. So, for example, uh, somebody might have it in the back of their head. They're going to scroll around on Facebook or Instagram and just kind of see what's there. Well, at that point, when, you know, that flame of passion is about this big, um, it's really easy to just not pick up the phone. It's really easy. Just put the phone down. Don't don't scroll around on Instagram uh, looking for looking for something. But once you're doing it, you know, once you're actually looking for stuff, even if it's not by definition pornographic, but while you're while you're searching around for stuff, that flame is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. All all the while you're ignoring Jesus's help. So by the time it gets so big that now, you know, and, and usually usually people ask for help like right after the fact. So like after they have indulged in the sin. It's usually not during. Um it it's like after they've indulged in the sin, then they'll ask for help. And it's like, well, you already you already did it. So next time when when the, the the spark just immediately starts, put the phone down, pray, spend some time with God, pick up the Bible, uh, you, you know, read one of the Gospels or something. Uh, read Corinthians here. Remind remind yourself. Read read. This is a good passage to read when you start feeling like that. Read First Corinthians six nine through eleven. Neither the sexually immoral nor all these other people will inherit the kingdom of God. Do you want to sacrifice possibly? Do you want to sacrifice your salvation for that sin, for that habitual lifestyle, for that sin? And I know habitual and lifestyle are subjective terms. You know, you might wonder, well, how many times is habitual? You, you know, you know in your heart whether it is or not, because it, 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 God will convict you. And if it's something that you do, then it's habitual. If it's something you do, um, if it's something you did once when you were a teenager, or even if you did it a hundred times when you were a teenager and you don't anymore, then it's not habitual and there's nothing to worry about. You know, ask for forgiveness and repent of that, and and you, you're you're already not doing it, so good. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. You you know if it's a habitual problem or not. You just might not want to admit it to yourself because it's difficult. Um, and you'll find yourself making excuses for it too. You know, well, well, my situation is different because of X, Y, Z. Well, it, no, it's not, um, because God's rules here don't change uh, for anybody. So that's those are all things that we have to keep in mind. Um, so I wanted to make note of that. Uh, Paul. So here, back to the commentary. Yeah, they will not receive the blessings of God when Christ returns in glory. And we also get these the we get a couple more passages that talk about this, Romans two, five through ten, um, which talks about that, which you can look that up, and then Hebrews ten, twenty six through twenty seven, which is another one. Um but it says, by reminding the Corinthians of the judgment that awaits the wicked, Paul again emphasized that the Corinthians were behaving like the unbelieving wicked. Uh, in verse 8, he has used the verbal form wicked to say do wrong. All right, uh, then he says, to make this point more clearly, Paul offered a list of lifestyles that were common outside the Christian community. He did not speak of people who occasionally fell into these sins, but of those who made these sins the pattern of their lives. 
Uh, similar lists of sinful lifestyles appear elsewhere in Paul's writings and in the rest of the scriptures. He first mentions sexual sins, the sexually immoral. Uh, those are involved in any kind of premarital or extramarital sexual relations. And, I mean, like Jesus said, even lusting upon a woman, uh, you know, you're committing adultery with her in, in your heart. So that would apply, too. Are you making a lifestyle choice about that like are you doing that habitually and like not even trying to stop you're just well you know i'm i'm a guy and we're built for that so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna look around i'm not gonna touch but i'll look around you know that's still a sin it still is and so we gotta we have to do what we can to we, we gotta keep that in check and sometimes that that's and i and i know that that's one of the most difficult ones in our society the, the reviling stuff and then the sexual stuff because we live in an over sexualized culture where it is literally everywhere no matter where you go it might mean just canceling all your streaming services and just having a landline and not having a cell phone if if that's the sacrifice you have to make to get rid of the sin that is better than losing your soul over it if you have to lose your phone or your soul i mean which which are you going to choose um so that that's that's a lot better. Uh, there there are ways that you can mitigate against it, even if it sounds extreme. But it's only extreme by the world's standards, and this world is passing away, right? I mean, Jesus is coming back, and I don't think we have much longer. So, um, what's more important to you? And if if your own soul is more important to you, then you're you're gonna choose Jesus, and it, you'll you'll go to the lengths that you have to go to. Um idolaters mentioned here and i'm going to speak a little bit about idolatry in the members only section um and because i want to talk about this coin that the vatican released uh this pagan coin about like earth worship and stuff and i want to talk a little bit about that um because it fits in with what we're talking about here with uh, idolatry and, and things like that but going on pagan religions adulterers those who break the sanctity of marital sexual exclusivity uh, male prostitutes those who served in pagan uh, religious sexual rituals and homosexual offenders then he turns to the other social sins thieves those who steal as a way of life the greedy those who have unquenchable desire to possess for themselves uh, drunkards those who imbibe alcohol to excess slanderers those who falsely accuse others and swindlers those those who take what is not theirs. Except for the addition of thieves and the expansion of sexual immorality and the subclasses of adulterers, male prostitutes, and homosexual offenders, this list is identical to the list in 1 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. And it says, uh, that verse says, not all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers, idolaters, then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you to not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So, I mean, Paul writes about this. God takes this so seriously, we're not even supposed to talk to people. Uh, who are engaging in those sins habitually. So that's how big of a deal this is. I mean, that's like you can be excommunicated from the church for that. That That is like we're going to send his flesh to be destroyed by Satan, so maybe his soul will be saved kind of territory. Uh, that's how serious this is. So how many of us are really acting Christian in the way that the first century church understood Christianity? Uh, this this is we we all need to realize our own shortcomings and and get in line because the world is falling away fast and and Jesus is coming back fast. I mean we do not have a lot of time to get all this together. Uh, Paul hoped the Corinthians would remember that people who practice such things would not inherit the kingdom of God. He implied that. Uh, 
professed believers in Corinth who lived such lifestyles would take care that they were truly in faith, knowing that if they did not repent, they would perish. If they did not repent, knowing that if they did not repent, they would perish. He also pointed out the folly of taking lawsuits before these kinds of people, uh, as if such wicked people could judge righteously between Christians. Um, so here's the point in verse 11. Many of the believers in Corinth once lived in the, these patterns of life, but Christ had changed them so they became much more reliable as judges of disputes within the church. Since these patterns of life, and that's why you want somebody, if possible, you want somebody in the church to judge these matters, somebody, uh, because they're going to be more, um, well, like I said, they're going to be more reliable because their lives have been changed. You know, they have the heart of God now instead of the wicked heart of man, and they're going to be able to judge these these cases uh, better, more reliably. Um, since these patterns of life were in the past for those who truly believed, they could take confidence that they would inherit the kingdom of God. Those believers who still fell into these sins needed to remember that their new identities in Christ, what some of you were, protected them from judgment. At the same time, their new identities also required that they live no longer like the wicked, but like believers. Believers are washed, cleansed from sin through faith in Christ, as symbolized in baptism, Acts 9, 17 through 18. They are sanctified, set apart from the world, and brought into relationship with God, Acts 20, 32, 26, 18. They've been justified, declared innocent before God, Romans 3, 24, Galatians 2, 16, Titus 3, 7. This blessing comes to believers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as they call on Jesus' name and rely upon him for their salvation. They also come by the Spirit of our God as the Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ to believers, Romans 15, 16, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, Titus 3, 5, followers of Christ differ fundamentally from the sinful world around them. Therefore, believers should not make it their practice to bring their lawsuits against one another before unbelievers. All right, so, uh, and this says main idea review, continuing his discussion in the proper sphere of Christian judgment, Paul uh, expressed his shock and dismay over the fact that the current Corinthian believers were taking one another to court before unbelievers. Such lawsuits contradicted Christian teaching and, and behavior. So now, like I said, all of this, um, all of this uh, was in the context of lawsuits, but that doesn't mean it's limited to just lawsuits. Uh, it's it's also just in our day to day. Christian lives and and we need to understand how serious this is how serious these sins are and how short of time we have left that's why I'm going to be dealing a lot with like prophetic things here on on this show and have already I mean the first episode we did was on the mark of the beast but I really do believe that time is short but even if I'm wrong on that even if Christ isn't coming back for another thousand years I don't believe that's the case but let's just say it is um, how long is your life going to be? Your, your life could be over in the next 30 seconds. You know, you could have a brain aneurysm and that's it. Um, you don't know. We, not, none of us knows. And we tend to forget that. We have a propensity to, to forget that fact and to live our day-to-day -day lives, which means that death will take us by surprise. Death will come like a thief in the night. You know, it'll take us by surprise. And most of us aren't going to have time to figure it all out at that point you know i mean how many car accidents happen every day you just you never know when your time's coming so while you're thinking about it while you're alive while you're active and you understand now is the time to get a hold of this stuff you know don't wait now is the time to say all right i know i need to get rid of this 
Now's the time to do it. Lord Jesus, help me. And then we all need to be there for each other. We need to not revile one another and possibly put our soul in jeopardy over that. You know, reviling somebody, you're not helping them at all. You're, that's not iron sharpening iron. That's like, it's just, it's just abuse. And do you want to stand before God and explain to him why you abused his children? You know, even, even verbally. Um, so we need to, we need to, we need to understand that. Uh, if, if we don't, then we don't really have any business calling ourselves Christians. Okay, I do want to talk about uh, idolatry a little bit, but we are going to do that in the members only section. Uh, so head on over to dailyrenegade.com. Get a membership if you can. That would be great. Uh, we got we have a lot more to get to today. And yeah, let's find out what the Pope has to say, what the Pope has to say about uh, paganism. <laughs> And it's interesting because it really does show how our world is going back to paganism. You know, in our modern day, we tend to think that those days are over, but they're clearly not. All right. We're going to talk about all that and more uh, in the continuation of this episode of JPD Weekly. So all those viewing for uh, free, well, members, hang on the line. Everybody viewing for free. Thank you so much. And until next time, take care and God bless.